Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow is underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Michael McHenry will be with us in 20 minutes. Major League Baseball analyst joins us. We'll break down all things on the diamond. John McClain covered the NFL for nearly five decades. He will join us in hour number two as he does each and every Tuesday. And John DiFilippo, longtime offensive coordinator in the NFL. Um really came to prominence whenever he was the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at the time, I should say, quarterback coach for Nick Foles in that Super Bowl run for the Philadelphia Eagles. He'll join us. He's now a head coach in the USFL in our number three. Chad, good afternoon. Big good show. afternoon, Hutton. They're big show big. ahead. All of them are big. We're going to treat this one like we treat every single show. Big. Bigly, to quote someone who's used that before. We're going to treat this show bigly today. Bob Huggins... Still has a job right now. West Virginia released a statement right at the end of the show yesterday that said they would review everything from the president's office down. Um, but with the, with the homophobic slur that was used in the radio interview and the doubling down of it in the radio interview in Cincinnati, WLW 700, Chad, I, I'm stunned that we haven't seen them already relieve him of his duties, given the fact that we have great examples to point to of other organizations, other teams, other media outlets doing the exact same thing in the past. Well, and I, I want to be consistent and as consistent as possible on this show. I, I'm anti-cancel culture. I'm anti-someone getting fired for saying something really stupid one time. Mm -hmm. Pretty consistent with that. So this is not me saying that West Virginia should absolutely fire Bob Huggins. It's us saying we're surprised he's, they haven't. I'm not surprised. I'm shocked. I'm utterly shocked. Let's look at the differences here. Immediately, and there's a great piece up, I think Grayson Weir wrote it mm -hmm. at OutKick, comparing Tom Brenneman, a buddy of, of Bob Huggins that he brought to West Virginia to speak to his program about owning your mistakes. Like six months later. Owning your mistakes, and this was probably about three years ago. Where Tom Brenneman, pregame for a Cincinnati Reds broadcast. Uh, was call, caught on a hot mic, not knowing he was on. Yeah. Saying yeah, that's where, the name of where, show. where he was, was the you know, slur capital of the world. And not only was he the Reds broadcaster, he was the, one of the voices for the NFL and Fox. He lost that job, too. So, I mean, we've, we've seen examples of it, to your point, into what Grayson Weir wrote about. Yeah, so that, that tie-in is interesting. Did not know about that until reading the, the piece at OutKick. But these are two very different examples. Same word, can't say that word, can't use it. Shouldn't use it, can't use it. Bob Huggins said it on a live radio interview when he knows that he's on a live radio interview. I'm not excusing what Tom Brenneman said, but Tom Brenneman is saying that to one of his coworkers when he thinks that his mic isn't on and he got burned by a hot mic. It happens. It's happened to many people before. It'll probably happen again. But Tom Brenneman was professionally executed on the spot. 
He came back and gave that very odd apology where a home run is hit in the middle of his apology. We've all seen the video of that by now as well, but fired immediately. So when I say I'm consistently anti-cancel culture, which I am, a lot of people aren't, I am consistent with that of all kinds. I don't know that Bob Huggins should be fired for this. Now, if there is a recurring theme that we don't know about happening at West Virginia with this kind of language or other issues with Bob Huggins, I'm sure Dan Dockich can lay all of it out for you. He's doing it right now on Twitter and telling you all the problems with West Virginia and Bob Huggins. There's apparently a bunch that I didn't know about that people in the coaching community like Dan know about. Dan also knows a lot about West Virginia University. My conclusion is Bob Huggins not being fired may tell us more about West Virginia than it does Bob Huggins. Because I am convinced that 95% of schools in America would have fired him already. I'm not saying that's the right move. I'm telling you my honest opinion of what would have happened to Bob Huggins. I think he would have been fired before midnight last night after this happened. At almost every school. What if Bob Huggins said Catholic bleeps while he was the head coach at Gonzaga or Notre Dame or Baylor or any school affiliated with the church? How would he have been treated? Would have been fired, Mm -hmm. right? That's my guess. Would have been fired. Wasn't fired. Not fired at West Virginia. I'm not going to sit here and say that West Virginia is a backward state. You can make your own conclusions about West Virginia. I'm simply saying... West Virginia athletics and West Virginia basketball may be the exception here and not the rule because the rule of the land right now that we live in is if you say something like this, especially when you intentionally say it into a microphone, you get fired. There are immediate professional problems and consequences with that when you use words like this. That didn't happen here. And I'm starting to believe the longer this goes on, Hutton, that's going to tell us more about West Virginia, their university, their athletic department, than it does Bob Huggins in this. Because You made the Catholic reference as well. And that's exactly why I bring up Notre Dame and Gonzaga and even non-Catholic Christian schools. If he's the head coach at Baylor, the largest Baptist university, or Liberty, and he makes a remark about Catholic bleeps at one of those schools. He's probably gone quickly. Now, Liberty has their own issues also that we're not going to get into here. Maybe that's a bad example, but I think most Christian institutions would have fired him. Well, institutions make most their own... Most state universities, based on where you are in the country, would have fired him pretty much immediately. Yes, but... but yes. But we also know, like, winning gets you certain places, right? And in this case... Normally, he's out the door. That's, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't seen this yet. I still expect it to happen. And, I mean, it's just it's based on the audio. I mean, it, there, there are questions that I have about it that don't change, like, the, the overall outcome or the, the right or wrong message that West Virginia is sending by staying silent other than the fact that they're looking into it or the right or wrong message of uh, reacting pro or con on how he should be handled in, in punishment. I, I think, we, Chad, you and I come down on that, where it, this can't be condoned. But the, the question I would have, was he drunk on Monday morning? I mean, I, I've got that. I mean, again, it doesn't change the fact that he said it. It doesn't excuse it in any way. Um, did he know he was live? Those are, those are questions that are being asked 
Does he, does he think they're taping some interview? Again, questions I would want to know that don't change the fact of whether or not it was right or wrong. It was absolutely wrong. And the, the reaction to this compared to the reaction of what we've seen from Brenneman and, and quite frankly, others is crazy to me. Especially considering that, I mean, the example is Brenneman, who six months after he's let go and he's headed to purgatory, media purgatory, to serve his sentence, he's giving a speech um, at the invite of Huggins. So there's no way that Huggins can say that he didn't know that this shouldn't be used. He wouldn't be able to say that anyway. But that's the example. If he's buddies with Brenneman and one of his good friends, this exact same thing happened to him. That's what's so surprising about the story to me. Yeah, and David in our YouTube chat says, those radio hosts did him no favors guffawing and verbal backslapping. I agree. That's fine. I think those guys are going to get suspended. That's true. By someone. like Their response was very odd, but they didn't say it. They're not the ones who said it. Their response was weird and laughing and saying, isn't Bob Huggins the best afterwards, which will probably lead to them getting a two- or three-day suspension from their job. I have no idea. But they didn't say what Bob Huggins said. It's interesting you bring up the thing about him being drunk. I kind of thought the same thing. Is he intoxicated I mean, in some way when he's saying that and laughing the way well, that he was? But I'm only asking that because how stupid can you be if you're Bob Huggins here? You know? How long he's been in this game doing what he's doing as a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, can you be more of an idiot in that setting discussing Zayt? No. no, you can't. And that's why I'm asking the question. I'm not excusing what happened. But I do think that deserves an answer as to why he's doing it then and now and on the back end of his career, where you just don't do that now, period. Dave Portnoy even says that. That's another great example. Penn Entertainment is firing and canceling people. We've seen countless examples of this. Uh, And and and, and I'm glad you brought that example up, Hutton, because, again, I mean, what Bob Huggins did was so far worse Right. I think that either Brenneman, who didn't know he was on mic, or, and people are going to say, well, you know, you're really getting the real Tom Brenneman. When you, uh, fine, whatever. But he's a professional. He wouldn't have said that if he knew he was on the pregame show at that time. So professionally, he's always done a good job. He was probably going to do a good job that day. He was caught on a, on a hot mic talking to a friend, and he said something really stupid, and he's paid the price for it. And then some. <clears throat> Mincy at Barstool accidentally reads a rap lyric on air that uses a racial slur and says the racial slur on air. He's fired. I think Davey did the research for us two or three days later. Maybe this takes the same time frame, and Bob Huggins ends up getting fired two or three days after making the mistake. Yeah, it was a couple But again, days what he did is so far different yeah. than what Bob Huggins did. What Bob Huggins did is far worse. And I'm not saying he should absolutely be fired. I'm not. I'm, I'm against that. If it's one mistake, he's owned up to mis- the mistake, and you feel like if you're West Virginia, this was an outlier. Mm-hmm. This is not who he is. Everyone has a bad morning or a bad day. I'm fine with them retaining him as the head coach. I've long been a Bob Huggins fan. I like his no-nonsense demeanor. I like the way his teams play. I don't like this. And if this is something that's a recurring thing, then he probably should be fired. But it's on West Virginia to decide that. But look at the separate cases and how they've been handled. So you've got Penn National, who said falsely that we're going to lose our license in states to bet because of what he said, which is dumb, and made Dave Portnoy fire Mincy at Barstool. Although there was a government official in in Massachusetts who had said that she wouldn't condone it and couldn't, she didn't know why she was going to vote 
in approval of the state giving Penn Entertainment a, uh, the, the right to have their gaming app in Massachusetts. Which is stupid. Which is really stupid. But they're pointing to that and they're saying yeah, that would happen then, in every state. And then it's what? It was a Fox Sports affiliate, I'm guessing, uh, or whoever fired the TV company that fired Tom Brenneman on the regional network. With the Reds, but then with he the Reds. Was, he's also not doing anything with Fox Sports in, in regards to the NFL and Fox. He, I mean, yeah. he had that gig too. So look how those companies treated this. Mm-hmm. Both were legitimate mistakes. What Bob Huggins said, he didn't misspeak. He meant to say it. He laughed after he said it. He knew exactly what he was saying. So, look, he came out and released a statement saying, I'm not going to try to make any excuses for it. I think that's admirable, but I, I can't, but the, the I can't come so, on here and act like I'm Chad, not surprised that he still has a say, job. Let's just say what like it. The statement is so much more eloquent than the audio. Yeah. You know? You it it could have been his attorney writing. Yeah, it. and they had hours to do it because this was the morning show from yesterday. And this came out when? Like, what, second hour of our show yesterday afternoon? Here's Bob Huggins live on the air on 700 WLW. Have you, have you posted any Xavier guys to come to oh, play for West Virginia? Catholics don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're above the fracas, aren't we? No problem. Yeah, you, um, absolutely. I mean, you, you, I tell you what, any, any school that can throw rubber penises on the floor and then say they didn't do it, <laughs> my God, they can get away with anything. <laughs> Wow. I, 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 rubber penis. Was this I like think a trans- that was it's a crosstown shootout, wasn't it? It was transgender night, wasn't it? What? Was that it? It was a, it was a crosstown shootout. Yeah, no, what it was was all those, those, those Catholic. <laughs> all right. They, they were they were envious they didn't have one. <laughs> yeah, so there's Bob Huggins there, and then the, the statement, uh, Chad, that he, he releases as the apologies. He's, as I've shared over with my players over my 40 years of coaching, there are consequences for our roads, words and actions. I fully accept any coming, I fully accept them in the coming way. I'm ashamed and embarrassed and heartbroken for those I have hurt. I must do better, and I will. Well, he said it twice too, as you hear yeah. there. He says it, and he comes back to it, and then he puts Catholic in front of it mm-hmm. and says it again. Um, plenty of headlines to hit throughout the show when we come back. The yips. Plenty of examples in Major League Baseball of that. Chad, I think of the Yips, I think of Chuck Knobloch. Every Immediately, time. right? Every time. I also think of uh, Rube in uh, Major League Two, where he can't <laughs> throw it back to the pitcher. Yes. He's the catcher who can throw people out at second, but can't throw the ball back to the pitcher, just routinely. And you've seen this at every level. You're experiencing it now. Not with you on the mound, I'm saying, but just, you know, nightly basis. Some of the best players just can't play up to their level of play because they've got the Yips. The recent example is Noah Syndergaard, and Michael McHenry has his own personal example of someone that he's friends with and played with that is now known as the guy to go to for the cure if you have the yips. That's next on Hot Mike. Always great to have Michael McHenry on the show talking Major League Baseball. Welcome back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Michael, great to have you back, man. And, man, it's, uh, it's a good year to be a Pirates fan or a, an Orioles fan. Teams that normally are throwing in the towel right now or actually have fan bases who believe. I'm one of them with Baltimore. 
And hey, don't think, don't forget about Tampa Bay. Th- those guys are like juggernauts right now, playing such good baseball. It's almost like they found a secret potion of sorts. But yeah, it, it, it's a fun time right now to be a baseball fan. You have small market teams right out on top and doing some special things. So at the end of the day, this is what it's all about. You got to get out there and you got to let the kids play, see what happens because you never know what the game may uh, bestow on any given year. I mean, you see early on the Cardinals, man, they've just yeah. f- fallen off a cliff and that's just not what we're used to seeing. And I think it's really neat and good for baseball. Are you ready to call them, call them dead now, Michael, you've been consistent that they're going to figure it out and turn this thing around, but here they are one of the worst teams in baseball. To start the season, they're sending star guys down. They're taking guys out of catcher and throwing them in the outfield. (laughs) Can we call it? Give it the three count. Are the Cardinals dead here in early May? They're turning blue. I'll tell you that much. I'm not going to call them dead, but you do have to look at it. And times like this, you look at it and say, what's going on? Are they going to have a play for a move? I mean, I think something was really involved with that Matt Holiday signing bringing him in as, as a guy that could really pour into those guys, obviously has a knack for development with his two sons, one being the first pick overall, the next one probably going to be the same. And then he literally quits after a couple weeks. I mean, doesn't even get to spring training. You had to think there had to be some type of morale issue or some type of thing going on uh, behind the scenes or in the front office. And I'll tell you right now, I think you're going to see Wainwright. And I think you're going to see Molina as coaches in the near future for the St. Louis Cardinals. Michael McHenry with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, MLB analyst, analyst as well for the Pittsburgh Pirates and their broadcast network. So Noah Syndergaard, in a last-ditch effort to get over whatever funk he's in, the yips, is turning to hypnosis. One in three, a three nine four ERA. What do you make of this, and does it tie into things that guys have tried in the clubhouse before to get over whatever mental state they're in. Honestly, Hud, it's whatever it takes. I was very fortunate to be a part of Tyler Matzik's journey. I, I got him connected with uh, Jason Kuhn and ABCO. We went to extreme measures, but Tyler made that choice. I called him and said, hey, I have a guy that may help and I have some ideas that could possibly help you kind of wrap this in a bow and, and, and see what happens. He was all in. And you have to be all in. Yeah, if you think the Kool-Aid with the hypnosis, which is just your perception of maybe it's shifting your mind to the right place, it's it's honestly whatever it takes. I mean, I've seen guys carry boulders underneath the ocean with shock, sharks all around them to get a better mindset, to become mentally tough. But if if it's me and I'm trying to get back on the field, I'm going to the toughest dudes on the planet. And those are the guys in the military, the Green Berets, the Navy SEALs, because they have to get through butts. And that's not just a physically grueling thing. It's also a mentally grueling thing. So, you know, you've got to kind of keep your mind open and figure out why did you start playing this game? Because usually it has to do with something that is outside the game, something that maybe you couldn't control, but you didn't know how to deal with it. So you mentioned Jason Kuhn. How did he become the expert in getting over the yips? I mean, think about this, guys. You have a a guy at Middle Tennessee. He maybe still has the all-time wild pitch record in the NCAA. Uh, I told him I'd get him a trophy if that's so, because (laughs) that's really, really impressive. And this guy left on on 9-11. After 9-11 happened, he just bounced. You know, his dreams of baseball shattered. He was a closer at Middle Tennessee State. So he went over and became a Navy SEAL. And he was part of one of the elite units, worked for the CIA, was all over the place. And 
he decided I have to beat this and prove it. So he started throwing when he got back. He fell in love with the game. I've caught his bullpens. He actually threw when uh, Tyler was in town. Now he's, has yipsfree.com. I advise for him and consult. This guy is awesome. He has a great network of people around him, and he's really changing the entire mental uh, toughness realm. They call it mental skills. I, I don't like that term, so I'm just going to say mental performance. Such a fun time to follow Major League Baseball. Uh, so many crazy things happening, including Amir Garrett of the Kansas City Royals puking harder than I've ever seen anyone puke in, in a live sporting event on the mound, and then leaving after that. <laughs> What's the sickest you've ever felt playing the game of, of baseball, Michael? Did you ever feel like this might happen to you on the diamond? On the diamond? I'm swallowing it, guys. I, I'm taking it back in. Wow. You know, I'm puckering up the cheeks if I'm behind the plate, <laughs> unless I didn't like the umpire. But, guys, I'm telling you right now, I can't believe that happened. And you kind of wonder what – you know, if he was surprised, caught off guard. But a lot of these guys in the bullpen, I call them the Red Bull Warriors. They'll they'll pound a Red Bull and the best ones smash it against their head or smash it or throw it down, kind of like they're getting intense. And maybe that's what he did. It just didn't settle well. But, yeah, that, that was a strange thing. I've seen it in debuts, but I don't know if I've ever seen it with a veteran. The old Technicolor yawn, Chad. It was it was hilarious too because <laughs> the announcers just said, "Oh, we may have an oblique issue here," because he started to you know keel over the way you Maybe would after throwing out. And then they showed the replay. Said, "Definitely not an oblique issue uh, that we're witnessing." Uh, it was it was crazy. The other crazy moment was Tigers Guardians, and um, the Tigers player, and I want to say the name right, Akil Badu, the left fielder for the Tigers, stealing second. Ball goes off of his junk on the throw from the catcher into mm-hmm. the second baseman's mitt, Andres Jimenez, and they tag him out. I have watched this replay, Michael, over and over and over again, and it is some Matrix-level stuff that the second baseman was able to catch it so quickly off of the guy's junk. Have you ever witnessed anything like that before? No. I mean, they, 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 that should be a circus show. Right. And I want to know how Statcast rates it. Is it a barrel or is it an automatic ball next time through so that the next count starts three balls? I mean, <laughs> they should at least do something for these guys because, I mean, that was awful. I mean, awful. And the fact it bounced off his junk into the glove and then he pretty much got a knee in the face and he got tagged out. I mean, that's just a tough day. I mean, that's just bad karma. May need to sacrifice a chicken or something. <laughs> So one more, I uh, love the Major League reference. So one more oddity I want to get into is Ronald Acuna's arm that we witnessed on Sunday against the Orioles uh, with the punch out from deep right field. Awesome. He's got five outfield assists already, and it's early May, which is pretty remarkable. But that's a part of the game, Michael, we don't often talk about outfielders' ability to actually throw people out from the outfield. Acuna has that. Uh I'm very fortunate to be in Pittsburgh and Roberto Clemente. I hear stories and there's only one better throw I've ever seen. Well, I'll say two better, maybe two better throws. One being a former blue Raider and Brett Carroll had one of the best arms I've ever seen, but Mookie Betts made a play here at at PNC and I'm calling the game. He spins and turns and throws it on a dime from, I don't know, probably 310 feet. It's a long hop and guys like him and, and, and Acuna, you have to watch these guys because we're seeing just some special type talent. I mean, there's a chance this kid in Atlanta is going to have a 40-40 season, win a gold glove. 
a sl silver slugger and possibly even an MVP if he keeps this up. And I think it's all based on last year. I think he rushed back a little bit and he, he really wanted to prove something of how talented he is. This, this guy is a special breed of baseball player. Michael McHenry with us talking Major League Baseball headlines and more. So, uh, Fort, we've got Aaron Judge coming back off the I.L., He's asked, and he's asked about the, the injury, which he, he was sliding headfirst into second in a game where the Yankees were up five. And he was asked, like, was that really necessary? And he goes, well, this is a team that put up 11 runs on us in the past in the same inning. So, yeah, I'm going to do it again. I just won't slide headfirst. And there was also a game where he was hurt, apparently, where he was asked to take the day off for rest. And he goes, I don't want days off throughout the season. How often are players... Number one, asked to do that, and can they say no? And number two, how many players want the daily regiment instead of getting the days off for rest and everything else that goes into it as they're trying to manage things for the duration of the season from upstairs? Well, first off, you've you got to play the game you have played your entire life with reckless abandonment. Because as soon as you get tentative, that's when you get hurt. I watch O'Neill Cruz, our, our unicorn. I consider uh, Aaron Judge a unicorn in hole two. So these guys just got to go out and play. They cannot adjust because, you know, they don't they don't want them to get hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, guys that play reckless, they usually are just fine. I mean, you guys cover the NFL. How how well has the targeting, targeting stuff worked, right, with injuries? Injuries in every sport, my, from my understanding, just keep going up. So these rules put – a lot of gray area. These thoughts that coaches bring put a lot of gray area. And a guy like Judge, if he wants to play, he's playing. If he wants a day off, he gets a day off. But the fact that you have a guy that wants to be in the lineup every single day, wants to lead by example and, and play with injuries because he's under contract. And that's to your last point. Guys, guys that aren't under contract, you, you play through whatever you can. You can't say, I want a day off. You can't say all these different elements of guys that like Bryce Harper and um, judge can do, or Bryce Harper comes back like Wolverine into the lineup. And yeah. most guys can't do that because they have to think about their career. This guy's signed. That's the benefit of signing great players, not just on the field, but the guys that literally want to win like judge and Harper and these guys, because they'll get back out there. We just signed Brian Reynolds and this, this guy will bleed for the city of Pittsburgh, bleed for his family. Now that he has a guaranteed contract, because it's not the same if you don't, because They'll get rid of you immediately. It doesn't matter your entire track record. You get hurt, and they think they can replace you for a little bit cheaper, he gone. Well, and that that's the mindset that takes a player from a, a, an era or generation player to a legacy player known for generations, right? Like the guy got paid, and specifically Judge, and he's saying mm -hmm. that this year after all of the contract talk we went through a year ago. You're exactly right. And I hope that story just keeps getting out of how he wants to be on the field, no matter what, maybe rushes rehab. I didn't look if he, if he took a rehab assignment, but Bryce Harper didn't, he probably didn't. These guys just showing up, suiting up and walking towards that batter's box, the morale shifts, not just in that dugout, but on the, on the other side too, it, it's going to shift for those guys. Cause they're like, man, we got the juggernaut back today. The judge is in the lineup. That's a completely different lineup in New all York. Right. We have him. Exactly. And then you have all the fans that are going to all rise and probably give him a standing ovation. As soon as he walks onto that field, doesn't matter what stadium he's playing at because he's a face of MLB. He's one of the, one of the guys that's right out in front of it. He's loved in Pittsburgh. He's loved everywhere he goes. Yankees are in last place in the AL East at 19 and 17. 
in last place. That's eight games better than the St. Louis Cardinals, if they were in the same division, <laughs> by the way. And the Cardinals are four games better than the worst team in baseball, the Oakland Athletics, 8-28, and 28, the only team in major leagues to not win double-digit games yet. And that is a crumbling house around them, literally and figuratively. With the team on the move, a decrepit stadium, terrible facilities, a bad and cheap baseball team. Fort, you've been on some bad teams in your days with, with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you know early on it's going to be a long season. Does that rally a team, or does that separate a team when you're going through something like this, like the A's are going through this season? I, I can't even speak to what they're going through. It's all bad. I mean, you're in the big leagues playing at a double A stadium that's falling apart. I mean, I, I saw a tweet the other day that a fan was holding a part of the seat. And, and I think when you think about your character and you think <laughs> about how you want to leave your legacy, if I was the owner, I just couldn't handle that. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I wouldn't be able to do anything other than think about how can I take care of my players, my fans? Because if you go look at Texas, Texas's new stadium, they have a two-tier weight room. They have a state-of-the-art training room. So you're competing in the same division with some of the best facilities in all of baseball. How, how would you expect your guys to go out there and pr- play really well, right, when you can't even put together a good uh, environment for them? I mean, there's mold, there's all these things going on, and that's just not okay. And I feel so bad for that city, so bad for those fans, because 10,000 fans there feels like 30,000 fans in other places. They're diehard, they love it, and I I think people need to remember, like, you're taking something away that's been there a very long time, that has a rich history and an unbelievable tradition. Yeah, it's falling apart, but I believe they allowed it to. Cutter Crawford and Matt Strong, Red Sox Phillies, they have the standoff, the anthem standoff, where... After the anthem, they refuse to, you know, take a step back into the uh, dugout until the other one does. You know, the game of chicken. Uh, who's going to blink first? Uh, ejected for this. What do you make of the story? Uh, <laughs> it made me laugh, too. Uh, but I'm sure you've seen this uh, throughout the, the career of, 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 what, AAA and, and even in the minors, college, what have you. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw it? And the result, which was, hey, you guys head back to the clubhouse. I, I love it. I think the more fun we're having in this game, yeah. it's going to bring what they've ultimately wanted, right? They've wanted the 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 younger folks to fall in love with this. I'm sure our uh, normal market is somewhere from 45 and above and mostly male. So this brings the TikToks, it brings the Instagrams, mm-hmm. it brings the people that aren't just on Twitter and LinkedIn to baseball. And that's what they need to do because the front office is full of guys on LinkedIn. We We need to allow these guys to go out and just show their personality. I mean, just let it shine. Like all the home run celebrations, everything that's going on, it's awesome for the game. I absolutely love it. I mean, you can go to a Little League game right now, and you're going to see a kid score and then dance to the dugout. I saw a rave happen in the dugout up in Pittsburgh here recently at, a, at an event I was at. In the dugout, 10-year-olds. I mean, these. this is a blast. Like, it should just be, all right, you guys are good. Can you guys stay there all game? Don't get hurt. The Fort, Michael McHenry with us on Hot Mike. So uh, we brought the story up last week. I'm going to get your take. You've got the Los Angeles Angels, who they are pre-screening questions for their assistant coaches. And in this case, the example was the hitting coach because they wanted to, uh, reporters digging in on why Rendon is playing well but doesn't have the same power uh, that he once did. And they're, they're digging in on why. So they want to talk to the hitting coach. 
and they are pre-screening any negative questions, and the neg negative questions go to Phil Nevin, the manager. Is this the manager's call, or is this a player issue? Uh, it's not a player issue. The player has a choice to you know, answer those questions whenever he wants. Um, I think every coach, you signed up to be at an elite level of your profession, so you have to answer the call. And I think it's cool that Phil Nevin's taken on those negative questions. They're not just washing them away, but don't filter them. Like they, they have to go through an entire background check and all these things just to get in the stadium. So you know who they are. You know what they're made of. You've seen what they've written. There, there was some credited uh, business or media outlet. So let it be. You know, they just need to let this game play itself out. The tough questions are some of the things that fans really want to know. So I, yeah. I, I hope they, they, they take a different path with this. You, you should allow it to happen. I think they should take fans' questions, do some town halls, teams that aren't playing the way that they should. I mean, you have the two best players possibly in the last decade outside a judge on the same team. Why aren't they winning? What's going on? And that's the questions you got to answer with depth. Is this, is this Nevin micromanaging this? Is that it? Or is it him just – keeping and protecting his coaches from having to answer. I mean, this should be a tough question for a hitting coach to answer about Rendon. I can't power. tell if it's stand up or soft of him. Stand up to say, I'll take all the negative stuff and let you guys do it, or soft to say, you guys can't handle yeah, any possible negativity. And they're not saying you can't ask the tough questions, but the tough questions go, go to the to manager. Him. Yeah, yeah. I, he, he could have gone straight to the PR guy, but they, they have a social media department. They have a PR guy, they have HR, they have multiple people that are underneath these people. So when you look at it as a whole, that's coming from the top. And I think Phil Nevin's trying to say, well, I'll take these questions on because as a manager, you speak to these reporters every day. Mm -hmm. You talk to them behind the scenes, they're in your office. You have a, a, a pregame um, sit down in the dugout or a conference room, you do post game. It's every day. So these guys have a really good rapport. So my guess is you have the front office or the PR guy who's been told, hey, there's too many negative questions here. These guys don't want to answer them or whatever. And Nevin's trying to take you know, it all on himself, which isn't what a manager should be doing. He needs to answer the questions that are presented to him, just like Terry Francona does and a lot of the guys do across the league, which gives them a different personality. I mean, it's just, it's a shame. It really is. I mean, he should take some notes from Ted Lasso. <laughs> Chad, your thoughts uh, on right? Ted Lasso? Like, he answers I'm, everything. I'm leaning towards it's a stand-up move on Phil Nevin. I'm leaning towards this latest season of Ted Lasso being terrible also. I'll get into my review later, but okay. uh, not happy with Ted mm. Lasso this season. Like the first two seasons, I think it's fallen off a cliff in the final season. How worried show. are you, Chad, about Max Fried and the forearm issue? Very worried. I think any time you get into this shoulder, forearm, any level of arm tightness that's a recurring thing, I get very nervous for star pitchers. And that's where Max Fried is now entering now that he's on the DL with forearm tightness. Yeah, and whatever you read, whatever you hear, it's never what's really happening. Um, they, they keep it so like locked, keyed. I, I'll never forget when I hurt my knee. Um, they said, oh, he's cleared, he's okay, it's just sprained. Guys, my knee was literally locked. I couldn't move it. I couldn't even unlock my knee, but they just were holding the move. They didn't want to say who was called up. We already called up the other catcher. So it was a little bit of a mess. And I, I did a big dog and pony show to say that so we could kind of hide the move. But yeah, I, 
I'll tell you right now, these guys take care of themselves so well. We just had Vince Velasquez go down. It was very minor. And, you know, it looked it looked really, really bad. And very similar to Max Fried. He, he knows his body. He may have pulled himself out there in first place, knowing, hey, I, I need to pull back. Something didn't feel right there. And it could have just been a, a genuine strain. And that's what I hope because that guy's pitching off the charts right now. Michael McHenry always brings it. Love having you on, man. Thank you for the time, and uh, we'll catch you up in a couple of weeks. I uh, love this, guys. Appreciate you. And, uh, don't take take it too hard on Ted Lasso, all right? He's I, sensitive. I need Ted Lasso to be better. I need the writers and everyone to be better on that show. But um, <laughs> ho- hopefully it ends well. Just like this Absolutely. interview, Michael. Right. You always end well. We yeah, appreciate very that about consistent. you. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you. The Fort. The Fort McHenry on socials where you can find, uh, find Michael uh, McHenry. So uh, when we come back, Sticking to baseball, we've got uh, a high school that had to, uh, due to a pitch count violation, forfeit, and now they're missing the, the tournament. But we've, I think, for good reason, we can, we can point to. Hey, and for more baseball discussion, you can go to outkick.com, the recent episode of the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. It's available because it's Tuesday. It's available every Tuesday and Friday at outkick.com. Stay tuned. More coming in Hotline. Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody, our location for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Follow us on social. Hit us up on YouTube as well. Chad is chatting away right now. Feverishly typing away in the chat right now. It looks like my grandmother whenever she worked as a secretary for a local judge over here. I'm a a hunting pet guy. I never took typing in high school. I took typing. But I I can type fast. I just don't have the proper uh, finger etiquette in terms of where to put the fingers for the typing. I was faster... Hunting and pecking, as you put it. Yeah. Than the method. So I would do that and look around and make sure no one was seeing me do that. Uh, my mom. And then I, I get you know, so many words per minute to get your grade. My mom, who worked as an outpatient scheduler for a mm-hmm. hospital for years, excellent at typing, and j- is disgusted whenever she sees me get a laptop out and start typing. And every time, it's like it's new to her. How do you not know how to type? <laughs> and I want to respond and say, because you didn't teach me. <laughs> That's how. I, I just find my method better. Yeah, I, I like it better also. You know, I, I can start... Because I don't know the other way. That's why. Yeah, I mean, I can start with the, the F and the J here, but I don't really care to. On, yeah, I'm never searching too long for a letter the way I do it, right? I'm going pretty quick when I'm typing something up. Isn't it crazy how your mind memory, though, like if I want to send a text right now, as long as I know I'm on the text with you, I can pull this up and send you something like right now I'm texting you and not even look, not at, even the look at the phone and know what you're doing. Yeah. And there's really no, I mean, it's just memory of where it is, but there's no button. You just, it's, it's not, it's not like you feel where you are on the keypad. Yeah. You just know about where everything is. The mind is a wonderful thing. Hun. Chad Innsworth high school. They knew where they were on the pitch count for their star pitcher. Connor Cobb, I believe is his name. Star pitcher for Innsworth who is going to Vanderbilt to pitch for, I mean, a, a great university and a great baseball program. Yes. He threw 121 pitches in a game, in a game that they won 5 nothing, And there is a 120-pitch uh, count rule for the TWS to bullet. Can't go over 120 pitches. 120, and then you've got to come out. Okay. I mean, it, there, there are pitch count rules in every level 
of the game that we see in, in regards to high school and previous, right? Like you, you I'm sure, deal with certain things. Uh, not with your pitch count rule, Chad, but I'm saying just in general. It's on, like a little. It's like an inning, guys, inning count typically in little league yes, that you have to go through. Yes, um, there's no doubt that they knew the pitch count here. He's got a, a great game going, no hit effort, which he, they end up winning the game on the extra pitch, the one pitch over. They end up having to forfeit that game, and their season's over after winning five nothing. I don't blame the coach for going one pitch over knowing the rule. They self-reported this, by the way. But this is a great example of how, in society, we make exceptions for some things, and we just, for whatever reason, when something is blatantly obvious, can't make exceptions for other things. There is no harm, no foul here. The game's 5 nothing. The kid's throwing a no-hitter. You're not going to hit him. If you get a hit, the next guy's getting out. You're not going to pull a comeback against that guy. Point being... Um, the same state where Penny Hardaway was not employed by the high school, not allowed to be a head coach, technically was the head coach of a state championship winning basketball team where it was hush-hush, but everyone knew Penny was the head coach when the guy listed as the head coach sat and said nothing on the bench. But that's not an issue. And I'm using this as just in a broad-scale term, Chad, saying, what are we doing here? Why do you have to end a season based on a no-hitter for one pitch over? Not 30 pitches over. I'm not making an exception for that. I'm making an exception for, well, man, he didn't get that final out on pitch 120. It was just a little bit outside or whatever. And on the very next pitch, the game ends. Come on. It's very NCAA, uh, you know, letter of the law, button everything up, follow all the rules, even if it doesn't make sense. You know, someone, Dale Brown at LSU back in the day, pays for a kid's flight home to St. Louis because his parent, one of his parents is being buried. He doesn't have the money to get home, and it's an NCAA violation, and LSU gets a, a, a bunch of penalties against them. Come on. That's one that you probably look past and say, we'll make an exception here, and then later on they would eventually change the rules and, and you would do that. Now, with this one, I can understand the coach thinking, I'll turn myself in, but surely the the sorry the TWSAA in this in this instance, the Tennessee Regulatory Board for High School Sports will say, no problem, not a big deal. Go on and play Game Three. It was best of two or three series. They lost Game One. They won Game Two with that performance in the pitcher, and decided to go one over. Now on the other side, I will say, you are one pitch away. Just take the kid out. You've reached the limit. If you know it, why risk it? So I do blame the coach a little bit here. If he, in fact, knew, and it wasn't just some clerical error on the pitches, that he left him well, out there for one pitch to complete the perfect game when you could have had a two-pitcher perfect game sure. and brought someone else in. But, but in this you, case... You took the risk at that point also. But in this case, um, in this particular rule in the state, and it, it, I'm, cer I'm certain it was similar elsewhere, and it may be exact elsewhere. Prior to 2017, if you were at the pitch count limit, you were allowed to finish the batter. And that's I mean, and since 2017, they just changed the rule, especially yeah. in the postseason, because you're playing on you're, you're playing in close proximity to your last start. Well, that was six years ago. <laughs> but but six years ago, <laughs> we're overlooking Penny Hardaway on the baseline or on the yeah. sideline coaching for Memphis East. Well, that that is a. 
that is with a Alex technic- Lomax living with him. That's a technicality that they were willing to overlook. But they also, I don't know what the rule is on. You say someone's the head coach; they have to stand a certain percentage of the time. Do they have to speak a certain percentage of the time? That they was Memphis. That was Memphis doing something school. that was trying to get around the technicality by doing something to fool them. And, this was a guy who could have very easily just taken the kid out. And the guy with who, one pitch. And left. the guy listed as head coach didn't speak to the media after the win. Yeah. In that case. I if I were a parent on that team and my son's season ended because of that, I'd be pissed at the coach. Maybe I so. would be up there raising my hand saying, Take him out. That's 120, coach. We don't want to have to forfeit this five nothing win that we're gonna have so we can play tomorrow. I'd hate it if my son's career ended because the coach decided that one kid was gonna pitch one more one more ball. One over. Now, should TWSAA look look past it? Probably. Well they would but it's also on the coach. They would have. They self reported it. They all, self-reported this. Yeah, it's it's also on the coach. Well, again, it's make up the rules as you go, which I'm totally against for one and not the other. Headlines next, including Matt Arise is back in the headline.